Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is another uh, special CIC edition of the Strategic Meeting Tech podcast. Uh, today we're uh, talking with another of the honorees from the uh, Hall of Leaders celebration, which is coming up in October uh, during IMAX in Las Vegas. It'll be held uh, on October 18th at the Jewel Nightclub at the Aria. And our special guest today is uh, Jack Petron- Petronsky. Uh, sorry, I almost messed up your last name there, Jack. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, and uh, good afternoon. And uh, you are the currently the Executive Vice President of Industry Development for GES, right? That's correct. Great. Well, I was, uh, I was hoping that first off, uh, since we're talking about Hall of Leaders and that sort of touches on people's careers uh, to this point in their career, that maybe you would uh, start us off by giving us a little bit of your history and your background in the industry. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd like to do that. I, I think I'm no different than uh, most folks um, of my age, uh, that we've had various ways of, uh, of entering the business. And um, I actually took a, a crazy turn after I got out of, uh, out of college. I had a degree in business, but I actually ended up uh, going to the um, uh, police academy, and I became a police officer for a couple of years. Uh, in the village of Rosemont, which in turn was going to build a uh, sports arena, which is now called Allstate Arena. And I had an interest to go into facility management at the time, though I didn't have much background in that. Uh, That project was put on hold for a couple years, and um, they were progressing, though, opening up at the time. It was called the O'Hare International Trade and Exposition Center, and the director of operations position uh, became available, and I interviewed, and um, uh, I actually was selected to uh, take on that position, and I knew absolutely nothing about uh, building management or operations for a trade show facility, uh, but I continued to uh, to learn, and uh, so that became pretty interesting after my stint as a law, law officer, um, and then getting to know uh, both association and folks that were producing exhibitions, um, I had a chance to look at some other opportunities after about three years at the uh, center. And um, I ended up with a company called Andrews Bartlett Associates, which which was a trade show producer. And um, they were very well known for their service and creativity. And I started my career there on the contracting side. And um, I worked for Andrews Bartlett for about 15 years, starting off in... um, Sales actually was division manager for a few years, got up into uh, national sales, and uh, eventually led a national marketing group. Um, Then what was uh, probably most interesting turn in my career was that uh, we actually prepared the company for sale, and we were acquired by Dial Corporation, uh, Dial Products, as most people are familiar with. Uh, who already owned a company called Greyhound Expositions. And at the time, uh, there in the uh, early 90s, they started doing acquisitions 
uh, within the U.S. So in 1993, we were acquired, and uh, I became part of the GS operation, and um, I had various uh, roles within the uh, company, uh, starting on with the national sales group and then going through sales and marketing, and then kind of with my title, uh, though some of my responsibilities haven't changed over those last 20 years uh, as where I sit today. So it's it's been a, a long career. I've had some changes. I've had a lot of changes within each company that kept my interest. And um, as I have changed through my career path, uh, I think the industry has changed uh, as much, if not more. You know, I think uh, I think that's a common thread I find with a lot of uh, a lot of folks who've been in the industry uh, for a length of time, as, as we both have. But that that change and that kind of never boring uh, factor that comes in uh, to uh, to the way our jobs evolve is is something that I think keeps us engaged and keeps us interested and keeps us active. I know the Hall of Leaders. Uh, other honorees I've spoken to this year are all very active and engaged and excited about uh, the future. So it's uh, it's very um, it's very interesting and and a lot of people with some very diverse and interesting backgrounds. Um, so right now, what would you say is the biggest change that you've seen in your clients and in in their needs from a time starting back in the in the late seventies, evolving into GES in the early nineties, and then being there since then? Um, what what's really different in what people need? You know, um, I, I think about that quite often. Um, you know, as when I first started in the business, and even looking back uh, over the last twenty twenty five years, but. When I first started, uh, it was more about the execution of, uh, say, on the trade show side and the, and the, and the blocking and the tackling is a, that's used as a common, uh, you know, in, in football, just getting the basics done. Mm-hmm. It basically was the physical work, coordinating labor, setting, setting up the show, working with the exhibiting companies, the show open, the show closed. And then the proper dismantle. And, you know, you had to focus in on service and proper planning and things of those nature. That hasn't changed. But it was a lot more, uh, it was very simplistic in my terminology compared to the way it is today of what you had to execute and what the needs and demands were. Though trade shows and exhibitions and meetings were highly successful back then, it was just a different format where things were probably a little bit less complex than they are today. That, that's a that's really an interesting uh, an observation because yeah I, I think about you know even just having a meeting app for example instead of having printing uh, and handing out a, a show guide to someone and now they're carrying a smartphone they have a lot more information mm-hmm. at their fingertips and I know that exhibitors and folks like that are collecting a lot more information and and just learning a lot more about their clients. Um, Another question that that had occurred to me was, um, how do you think we're doing as an industry right now? Do you think there's an opportunity or, that we're missing because of, you know, we came through a bad economic time. Uh, we've had some shifts in the workforce. We've just got fears in the world of some things in general. Are there opportunities that you think we're kind of missing as a, as an industry? You know, I don't know if we're missing any opportunities because if you, you know, follow the industry publications and connect with people uh, within the business. There's a lot of new things happening. There's still growth out there. 
Um, there are some challenging segments of the business. Uh, you know, on the medical side, because of the new the pharma laws, if I could refer to those, the mm-hmm. consolidation. Um, but it doesn't take away from the meeting content to what they're trying to do on the education side, where it does impact their exhibition side and may even, you know, impact their whole revenue stream and what individual companies can do with those uh, folks in the medical uh, field as the attendee with the doctors and things of that nature. But, you know, overall, the business continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, the, you know, there's 12,000 exhibitions in the U.S., I think 3,000 square feet and above. Uh, but there's, we, we see growth. We're, we're an international global organization, GS is, and we see continual growth uh, overseas. Um, you know, everything they eat, somebody starting new, new shows in other countries, and all that's part of the, the, the growth of, uh, of, of the industry. Um, I think where we could be challenged, I think you mentioned earlier that when we were talking prior, you know, there, there is an impact uh, or can be a major impact um, with any terrorism attack. 9-11 devastated our country and we, we actually stopped. Uh, then we had the economic downturn that also complicated uh, everything in the world. And, um, you know, we have some checks and balances out there, but there's some things that we just can't control. And that's always, I think, in the fear in the background of things that could happen. But right now, I think everybody moves forward at a very progressive, progressive rate. The area that I think we can improve on uh, from the industry organization sector, and they're all growing and looking at new things, is that I think there could be more uh, collaboration, not necessarily getting rid of any of the industry associations. When I speak of those, meaning PCMA or IAE, ASAE, MPI, they all have their little um, part or broad base of membership and participation, but I think where we can do more together would be, say, through the foundations or research where we're taking more financial resources and more uh, time and energy of, of individuals and try to get more of a collaboration there to um, do bigger research projects that could benefit the meetings and exhibition convention industry. Um, and some of that is being done, don't get me wrong, but I think that's an area that we could, that there could be an advantage and to take advantage of that moving forward. Yeah, I know a, a number of industry organizations have, you know, worked on tweaking their membership model like MPI has recently, and uh, they're, they're looking at ways to, you know, maintain their base and keep people engaged. And then you've got groups like the CIC, who we're kind of here uh, on behalf of, in a sense, who are being an umbrella organization. And in a way, I sort of put IMEX in, in, in the same thing, where they've brought a big tent and sort of let everybody into it. And I think those have been really positive developments. Apex from the CIC is an area that I've talked on the podcast here a number of times about, and just kind of having some accepted standards and things that we can develop as an industry. Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, there's been great progress made uh, in all of those particular areas, um, but there could be more. There could be more cooperation, and it's really taking the resources that are out there and trying to get those a little bit closer aligned so that uh, smaller projects could be put into a bigger project that could maybe have additional impact and provide provide more research and, and knowledge that that uh, organizers or 
anybody within the industry segments could use to help promote their business, help them be better better leaders, uh, manage their organizations strong and things of that nature. Well, and you know, there's an area, especially you being located in the in the Chicago area, um, and you've been active in in labor and exhibitor rights in your career. And what do you think about things like uh, labor unions and uh, those, particularly those markets that have a strong union presence um, that touch our industry? What do you think we're doing there? Are we doing the right things and are we progressing? To me, it seems like we've gotten a lot better and we're a lot better at communicating between the unions and the planners and those things. Uh, I, I totally agree that things have gotten a lot better. Um, you know, the project in Chicago is an example. Uh, it took over a, a few years and it actually uh, resulted in labor legislation to promote change. And a lot of it was focused on exhibitor rights uh, that put Chicago uh, in, a, in a very good position of allowing exhibitors to do a lot of their work in their own exhibit spaces, which they were able to do in other cities uh, or other facilities uh, around the United States. But through that process, I can say that labor started understanding the challenges um, that the show organizer was facing with having companies saying, I'm not going to exhibit next year because I had these challenges, you know, whether it be through through cost or through the ease of doing business, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe some because of the marketplace, but there was just a lot of feedback. And uh, I know myself and a good friend of mine uh, that's no longer in the business, Doug Van Oort, we probably had uh, over 150 different types of meetings, conference calls, exchanging documents, dealing with clients and members of, uh, of uh, the, the community here of trying to promote um, the, the, the change. And it, it resulted also in uh, dealing down with uh, the labor leaders, with the legislative leaders uh, in the state of Illinois, um, and it actually produced very, very good results at the end, and it continues uh, to do that. And a lot of shows that we're thinking about relocating outside Chicago uh, have signed long-term commitments to remain here, and some shows that had left because of whatever reason they stated uh, have come back into the marketplace uh, with extremely strong attendance because Chicago's a, a very strong market for many, many, many industries. Uh, Philadelphia was a little bit of a different challenge, um, and there were certain things that happened there that created some benefits, uh, a little bit different than the format of Chicago. And then I think I mentioned Las Vegas, where there wasn't a really big change uh, that occurred, but with a particular account, it was the National Association of Broadcasters, we were able to bring labor exhibitors, major exhibitors, the association and ourselves into a room and everybody was able to talk freely about what the impact was on some of the jurisdictional issues that were occurring and the overlap and how easier, not so easy to understand uh, what rules went into effect uh, for the particular exhibits on, on that show. And that really started a lot of conversation. I actually got some documents that were clarified for that that were published. So. Everybody may not left the room being totally satisfied, but there was an understanding from all facets uh, to understand where they were coming from and what they had to enforce or they wanted somebody to change some rules. 
and there was a written document that made it a little bit easier then to work um, for those particular exhibitors where it was very sophisticated on what they were building and presenting uh, at their at their annual event. That's and that's such huge progress because I know uh, through the years I've done shows in in strong union venues and and union cities and the biggest thing that I know my clients have always wanted is just to understand what the rules are and, and be able to have them laid out. It's not necessarily that they don't want to work within jurisdictions or things like that, but they just want to be able to understand the rules of the road so that they follow them correctly and that everyone is happy with the outcome. Yeah, and I think your your key uh, point there is, you know, what are the rules and how do we explain those correctly uh, so there isn't the debate of what you can or can't do or who has jurisdiction over one trade versus the other. Uh, organized trades for the, uh, for the exhibition industry is extremely important because the amount of, of personnel that you need uh, to set up some of these mega shows or multiple shows in the city at the same time, you need to have a workforce that you can go to, um, which is very, very important. So organized labor in that sense is, is not negative in the least bit. Um, it's advantageous. It's just structuring the agreements so that exhibitors can do their work for what they need there's no restrictive rules. There's no additional costs uh, that are non-productive, and those are the things that companies have been working on, um, you know, very diligently over the past many years. Right, right. Well, and uh, as you say, a, a trained and experienced and qualified labor base is vital to to these shows. I know to mention a city we haven't mentioned in San Francisco, in the technology world, there. Uh, the union guys there are fantastic. They're incredibly well-trained and they're a pleasure to have on the show. And so it's not that you're, you're giving anything up. You're getting a terrifically um, experienced workforce. And again, it's just setting out the signposts and setting out the path and saying, this is how we work together and making sure people understand that, that, uh, that I think makes those, uh, those things go smoother in the end. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and uh, that was a good example with San Francisco. Thank you. Um, now, I guess one other thing that I'm, I'm curious about is I'm sure you probably interact with people of varying degrees of experience uh, within the industry, and having a, a length of experience that you have, um, do you think that the people who enter the business now really understand what's come before or the work that's been done, say, for example, the work that was done there in, in labor and, and exhibitor rights. Uh, and do you think that it's important for them to know that or have a forum to know that? So my uh, short answer, um, whether they should know it, I think is yes. Uh, do people want to know what the history of the industry is? I would say no. Uh, I would like for them to know that, but I don't know if it's important uh, to their current uh, job responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But I would always answer that question in the same uh, breath, I guess, is that, you know, why did we need to study history in, in uh, high school and in college? Um, and part of that is, is learning from the past for what worked and what didn't work. 
And uh, so I think there's some real value there. Uh, I'll give you an example. I've, I've asked a few people over the last five, six years, wouldn't it be interesting if we had a session at one of the industry meetings showing the history of the exhibition about what they, how they used to look and what type of equipment you had and when things, you know, designs were done by hand versus by computer and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And nine out of ten people say, you know, it might be interesting, but I don't think I would go. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I guess know, I'm I number find ten. That interesting. Yeah, but when you're at when you're in a face-to-face meeting and somebody's looking for history on their event, so there's a lot of a lot of events uh, clients that we have where some of our account teams have longer history with the event than maybe some of the members of the uh, on the association side that's running the exhibition and the meetings, and they're able to give some feedback. Uh, hopefully never to say, oh, that didn't work the first time we did it, but just to give them some perspective that this was this was tried and executed, and we have some of the results, but you may want to go back into your own files and see how you measure those type of things. But there's an importance to me in history. It's just how far back you go. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there is so much fast-changing in our business um, that we, it's even hard to keep up, especially with the knowledge of technology and things of that nature that could be applied to a, a meeting or a conference or a, a corporate event or, or, or a trade show. Oh, yeah, certainly. Uh, having worked in the technology side of things, I, I probably 10 years ago had already said I had to relearn everything I knew about three or four times. And that's probably changed uh, that many more times in the interim since then because of the rapid way that things have accelerated. Um, is, there a, is there a change that you're concerned about or something that you're excited about to just kind of maybe, uh, maybe wrap up here? Anything that uh, when we're talking about this rapid pace that you've maybe heard of or seen coming that you think is uh, just going to be really a, an awesome Thing for people to experience? You know, I don't know if I have anything new to say that people haven't read or discussed, but the whole, um, the whole industry continues to evolve at a very fast pace. And if we just, we look at the, at the uh, meeting uh, component, um, uh, let's say of a, of an annual meeting or an exhibition, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, people were using acetates and overhead projectors. And then if you did a 16 projector presentation, slide presentation, you know, that was incredible. Now there's screens and in audiovisual um, technology, you know, they're, they're size of uh, airplanes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how they can add content into the speaker and all this wonderful stuff that adds so much more to the experience, uh, let's say, on the meeting side. Uh, and some of it is just nice and fluffy, but it adds something to to your experience. You know, on the on the exhibition side, the trade show floor. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, it's going to look different. I don't know exactly how it's going to look different. And what we now see, and it's not just happening overnight. It's happened now over over years, but it continues to progress. Is it's really addressing the attendee experience? And that is that is critical. So, you know, I give the example is you could have a 400,000 net square foot exhibit 
you could have 132 sessions, you could have 42,000 attendees, um, but is that really enough to make the experience good for somebody to have a good event, either on the buyer or, or seller side? So we're seeing and we're being brought in to work with our clients uh, to create experiences on the floor that are tied to their, to their business, to their industry, that are, you know, whether it be education, it could be entertainment, um, it could be celebrities in some form or fashion, depending on the industry, uh, specialists within that, that industry that are now adding more content, and there's also the fun experience and the learning experience uh, to create this whole interaction uh, that is needed besides somebody just looking at product. You know, a new product will always be uh, one of the top items that somebody wants to see if they go to an exhibition, but they also want to have a good experience. They want to have a flawless experience. And, you know, the emphasis now is not on the whole event, uh, which is always important, but also on the attendee experience, whether it's how they register in advance, what happens when they get to the event, and then how they experience the uh, exhibition and the and the meeting room and the content for that and what they can take back with them. Um, and that's where things are really changing. There's just a greater investment on the um, audiovisual for that content for the meetings. There's a greater investment now by associations and show organizers of what they're bringing to the show floor. They're changing the way that they do things. They're reinventing. They're imploding some of their areas that they've done for five, ten years and say, we have to do something new. And, you know, I'm a proponent of always asking the question, why? Why are you doing that? Is it really serving a purpose? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll find additional budget dollars when you just say, you know what, we don't need to do that anymore. It's not really performing any function for our attendees or our exhibitors. Let's change that up and try to do something different. And um, that's where the challenge is, and that's where the investment is, whether it be time, money, uh, or research to get some of those areas uh, to make their event a, a much better experience. Well, and that, that actually speaks to where we sort of started when we started this chat about uh, where so many years ago it was a, just a much more simple business and now there's this layer of complexity but in the end it's enhancing the uh, the attendee experience and so we're doing we're doing a better job and we're leveraging all of these new cool things to try and do it so uh, i think that might be a really good place to uh to, to wrap us up for uh, this edition of the podcast. But I appreciate so much you coming on. And if folks would like to meet you in person, you'll be uh, October 18th at the Hall of Leaders uh, ceremony, correct? Yeah, John, I will. And uh, thank you so much for um, uh, asking me to do this. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I hope I've provided some, some information here uh, about what I've gone through. And then uh, obviously there's a lot of experience of others that we can all learn from. Well, and that's uh, that's what the Hall of Leaders is is really about. It's recognizing that that experience and that commitment to an industry. And uh, thank you on behalf of uh, of all of us in the business for uh, the work that you've done for so many years to uh, to better the industry and to move it forward. So it's very appreciated, and we appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, John. And uh, to the listeners, have a great day, and we'll uh, talk to you next time. 
This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.